This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by Edgar Allan Potpourri. Want to freshen up your bleak existence? Try new Edgar Allan Potpourri, the avant-garde line of room-freshening essence. With new scents like Annabelle Lemon, Rose Gold Bug, and Cherry Pit in the Pendulum, you'll be able to fend off that gothic sense of impending death, and you'll smell great doing it. Quote the Raven, this room smells fantastic. Edgar Allan Potpourri, patent pending. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Atlanta Braves yes! giving you a championship. 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. What's up, Braves country? Welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero. Dylan Short, joined as always by my partner in crime, Doc Herbert, brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our good friends at TickSplits. TickSplits is the new and improved way to buy tickets online, whether that be for a theater play, a concert, or just your favorite old sporting event. TickSplits has you covered. Number one reason, no seat fees. Seat fees might be the bane, the worst invention of all time by mankind, and I don't think I'm exaggerating at all. Why should you have to pay for the, for the privilege of buying a ticket already? It's almost like the dank PSLs that you see in football stadiums, you know, where you have to buy you have to buy an extra privilege just to be able to sit in that seat. Well, TickSplits knows how stupid that is, so they did away with it. So all they do now, if you go on TickSplits.com, all you're going to pay for is the price of the ticket, just like it used to be back in the good old days. And I thank them for it. Plus an added bonus. If you use our promo code armchair, they're going to give you 5% off your ticket price right there at the checkout. So if you've got two, three, four people, you really start piling up the savings. Just go to TickSplits.com, use our promo code armchair, and join the online ticket revolution. Doc, we've got kind of a mixed show today. Like, we've got some incredible highs that obviously we're going to talk about, but there's also something that's incredibly incredibly sad that we have to talk about first so for all you listeners out there you probably can guess what we're going to talk about and you know we're going to talk about acuna but first we have to talk about bobby cox the he, he looked so great on monday for the home opener you know called it perfectly and then tuesday we find out that he gets hospitalized 
with uh, what they thought was a stroke comes out today that it was a stroke, but Bobby did have surgery and he is accepting visitors, especially Braves visitors. I know Alex Anthopoulos has already spoken to him and uh, doc, you have a statement from the Cox family. So just for our listeners, why don't you go ahead and, and read that statement for them? Sure. Uh, he said, we want to thank all of those of you who have sent their well wishes or set a prayer. We know the power of Braves country and we hope those prayers of positive thoughts continue as Bobby heals. You don't know how much your support means to Bobby and to our family. I mean, th- this guy has been this guy's been an icon in Atlanta since he took back over in, uh, in 1990, 1991. And that's when that incredible run of division titles started. And uh, we all have a Bobby Cox memory of uh, multiples in, in a lot of cases. So this is a, uh, this is huge news. And and like you said, he, he was the one that, that said play ball before the, the season started. And he just, you know, he, he's getting older, but he, he looked like he was jovial. He was in good spirit spirits, you know? So it's, um, it's weird. It's, it's a very, it's a very somber thing. It's a very scary thing. It just kind of shows you the, the unpredictable nature of strokes. The good thing about a stroke is if you do catch it in what doctors call the golden hour, then it can be, resolved with very little side effects so hoping for the best for bobby it's always good when you know a a manager is just called by a nickname just called the skipper and he's got a statue whether whether you're happy or not with the way that the 14 division titles turned out if uh if this doesn't make you feel the least bit anxious or a little bit uh a little bit sad then i question your heart and i hope that you turn this show off uh because i don't want you listening to my show but Our, our our show our show. I'm sorry. Got on my soapbox there a little bit. I didn't want to speak still, for you. I didn't want to speak for you. Still here. Still here. I just know it's uh, th- this is this is huge. I mean, for when you think of the Braves, you you think of those certain names. You know, you think of Aaron and and Matthews and and Necro and Murphy and Bobby Cox. You know, he's he's one of a, a very small few who has have his number retired. So he, he's left his stamp not just on the organization but on the city so get well bobby we're we're pulling for you skip not just that he has a statue he does have a statue not a lot of dudes around here get statues no very very few it kind of lets you know the rarefied air that bobby is held in so good luck to bobby we hope to hear some really good news hopefully he has a full recovery here relatively soon he gets back to doing what he loves to do but we do have some other gigantic awesome news to bring not just the fact that the braves managed to pound out the cubbies uh on monday with an eight nothing victory due in large part to six errors by the cubs but maybe the best news that a Braves fan could have gotten this early in the season while angels sing hallelujah ronald acuna jr has signed an extension for the atlanta braves doc you and i talked about this i feel like we we might have been the first people to kind of talk about this on air uh we were talking about it about a month ago about uh, what a Ronald Acuna extension might look like. And uh, I threw out 10 and 200. If you had held a gun to my head, I would have never predicted that he would have signed for eight years and a hundred million. Same. And the the possibility exists that it's going to wind up being a full decade for 124 million, which just continues to, it, it blows my mind. I saw, I saw the, the tweet come through and I'm like, Somebody hacked Jeff Passan or or Dan Keats is doing doing that thing. You know what I mean? Whereas because it's it's right after April Fool's Day and it, it's just been it was such a nasty little start to the season. You know what I mean? Getting getting swept by Philly and everybody's down in the down in the dumps and everything. And then it's like I just 
I kept looking for reasons to not believe it, you know, and then Braves options guy calls me and hit, we're just like, dude, oh my God. And then we just laughed. We just spent so much <laughs> laughing like giddy little school children. You know what I mean? It's crazy. I cannot believe it. And for all the average annual value, we talked about when Bryce Harper signed his deal. It's an amazing deal for Philly because you're getting that talent for $25 million a year. And Acuna is maxing out at the back end of his deal at 17 million. That's not even 2019 dollars. That's 2027 dollars. So you adjust for inflation and, and an entire decade worth of worth of salaries just get, being whatever they are. I mean, this is the steal of steals. I mean, and I they had me. I was on the front row this morning. I'm recording this on Wednesday, by the way. Um, they had me on the front row this morning, as they usually do, to talk Braves. And obviously, this was the lead story. And it, it's just incredible when you mention that he's signed that at most he's going to be making 17. There's no incentives. There's no no trade clause, nothing. There's no escalators in his contract. It's just seven. It's one million this year, one million next year, five million in 2021, 15 and 22. And then it's 17 throughout the remainder of it. And one of the things that I'm that I'm just so shocked about is Ronald Acuna could literally not get any better than he is at this moment. And it's still a monster steal of a contract. He's making he's making almost the same amount as Michael Brantley. He's he and Randall Grichuk signed deals. Uh, I think that both for the first five years, both are making five years and fifty two million dollars. Now, Randall Grichuk is an OK player, but there's holes all over his game. Acuna has got the opportunity to be legitimately top five player, top one or two players in the game f- for for a very large part of this deal. And it ends when he's 30, 31. So he's, it's not like this is going to take him out to where he's 39, like Bryce. I mean, he's, there's a real possibility that exists that he's still going to be doing major damage through this entire deal. But you're, you're, you make a really good point. He doesn't have to get better for for this to continue to be a bargain. I can't believe it, dude. I keep coming back to it. I just, I can't believe it. This is the best news. It's really, it's just incredible, especially when uh, when you hear Jason Stark, who might be, if not the most respected baseball reporter, definitely top three. And he was he was on on there saying that uh, he thought that he really thought that Ronald Acuna could have been the first player to get half a billion with a B. So I I don't know how this came about. I I understand it for a couple reasons. One, Ronald Acuna is twenty one, and a hundred million dollars is hella money. Like generational changing money. Like he doesn't have to work when he's done. His kids don't have to work and his kids, kids won't have to work. Not to mention, he probably won't have to loan that much out to his brother, Luis on hell, who is a professional player himself. So, you know, good tidings, good things are going in the Acuna family. And he signs the, the best part of that deal. He signed cheaply enough that it gives you no worries about extending anybody else. So th- it almost makes me think that there's more extensions coming. It's it's it might be a little bit telling to me anyway that he doesn't start making money until Freddie Freeman's contract is done, which makes me almost positive that Freddie Freeman's will be next and they'll try to curtail that number a little bit to make it a little bit more even. But you can never, never say for certain that uh, they might not have sold Ronald Acuna on the fact that, hey, do this at this price and we'll get your best friend Ozzy signed too. To me, Ozzy is the most logical one to do next. And it's like 1A and 1B for Ozzy and Fulty. I think that if Fulty comes back and everything's fine with the elbow, then I think that they, they might actually lock him up before Ozzy just because 
he's got the bigger sample size. He doesn't need to uh, continue to define his value as much as Ozzy does because he was <clears throat> very uh, Jekyll and Hyde last year. But uh, but yeah, th- this is the the interesting thing about the timing of all these extensions that have come, especially when you start looking at younger guys like Blake Snell, Eloy Jimenez. Um, the Braves have so many prospects, and everybody seems to just love playing here. They love this this little nucleus that they've got, right? So the, the possibility exists that you could get a bargain out of Acuna and Ozzy and Fulte, and uh, you could lock down Camargo too. David Bodie just signed five years and fifteen million. You know, he's he's not quite super utility, but you could get Camargo for something not too remarkably far off of that. And when you start looking at Wright, Wilson, Soroka, Tukey, Tukey probably won't because he's a Boris client, but that's, that's neither here nor there right this second. It just guys seems, are, it guys seems are crazy. Forsaking free agency, you know? And so got team friendly deals or, or just the long deals to stay in the same uniform for a long time. And all these guys, these prospects that we fell in love with, there could continue to be a love fest for these guys for a, a long, long time. It just seems absolutely insane because I firmly believe that had Acuna reached the end of his contract, he would have broken Bryce Harper's number. I'm not sure he would have broken Trout's because it's Mike Trout and he's a little bit special if you haven't heard. Uh, But I think that Acuna would most definitely have broken uh, Bryce Harper's. So I I get the philosophy. I mean, you just bought out Alzarb. So instead of making almost 600,000, he makes a clean million this year uh, and then he jumps up. He's the, the thing is, he might lose money just based on his arbitration years. Mookie Betts just got $20 million in his first year of arbitration. Acuna could have gotten that pretty easily. But the way it works, Acuna's happy with his deal. The Braves are certainly happy with their side of the deal. And uh, it, as fans are wont to do, you've kind of got people trying to pick some things apart as, oh, well, they kind of screwed Acuna over. Pure talent-wise, did they? Absolutely, they pulled a heist. But... If Acuna is happy with his deal, that's really all that should matter. It shouldn't matter what anybody else thinks of. Oh, we should have had more. If if Ronald Acuna was more than happy enough to sign that deal, nobody twisted his arm to sign it. So good on him. He's Some guys just aren't guys who want to max out everything. We talked about Aaron Nola before when we had John Stolness on the program. That you know Nola's a guy that doesn't necessarily care about making the most. There's no way of knowing that Acuna might just prefer playing in Atlanta with his buddies as opposed to, oh, I have to get $500 million. So you got that on one hand. But on the other side of the equation, and this is something you and I are going to differ on. I'm almost 100% positive. You Now you have the spin job that comes around of, of, oh, well, everybody who was whining about not spending in free agency, this is why. If we'd spend in free agency, we couldn't have extended Acuna. I don't buy that for, for a second, for a single second. I actually don't either because they when Anthopoulos talked about the deal, he said that this was kind of an idea that he had. You know, but he said that the actual numbers and offers and stuff didn't start till the last week of spring training. So there's a very, very large window of time that is unaccounted for. You know what I mean? I will say I will say this. Um, the term financial flexibility got kicked around. I mean, every as it should. Made, they said it every five minutes. Oh, oh, absolutely. And the, it just became kind of like a running joke. You know what I mean? Like the fake press release for the Atlanta Braves have signed outfielder financial flexibility, you know, and, and yeah, it's funny. And we all laugh and, and, ha, 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 and all that. But when you're looking at, you know, next year, you're starting to see some of the big free agents come off, come off the market already. And more are definitely going to start coming off too. Like the biggest free agent picture 
pitcher next year is Rick Porcello. Okay, it's it's not exactly Chris Sale who who was on the market until he signed his deal with the Red Sox. So when you start looking at the ability to what it actually means to be flexible financially, and you start thinking about locking up Ozzy and then locking up Camargo and Dansby and Fulty and yada 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 down the line, you do need to have some level of certainty of about what you're going to be spending when. And so if the team doesn't want to give Craig Kimbrell a bunch of money, you know, maybe it's partly related to the fact that he was horrible in the second half and it was related to the fact that he looked terrible in the playoffs and he's still asking for way more money than literally any team is comfortable giving right now. So I don't I don't know, man. I, I think that um, this is something that they had their eye on and that might have been what motivated that statement. But no, but in in no way does this really ex- excuse them. Not it, Tony Sip was had for a million dollars. You know, you could assign Tony Sip; he would have helped a little bit, don't you think? I mean, the, I I went through a list on the Locked On Braves podcast. By the way, thank you guys so much for for making that podcast what it is right now. Big props to all of you guys who listen to it. You got me to number one thirty seven in the top two hundred podcast on iTunes the first week of the show. So you guys are freaking awesome. Um, Very nice. But I, I there there was a list of seven guys that I had that uh, that the Braves could have had that would have finished no lower than fourth in the bullpen a year ago. And that's including Shane Carl's ridiculous four weeks. And that's including Dan Winkler's incredible first half. Jerry's uh, Familia would have been by far the best pitcher in your bullpen, according to a year ago, where Minter was tops with a 1.4 F war. And Jerry's uh, Familia was a 1.9. He signed for 10 million. You could have easily done that because Acuna is only going to count 1 million against the cap. So it's not like it's not like the Braves could like they're just taking this like it, it's like that section of the fan base that just kind of wants to side with the ownership over everybody uh, who, who kind of just wants to side with the front office over everybody. And um, as you can plainly tell, that's not generally me, especially if you followed me on Twitter. Um, I, I'm not generally one to shy away from any of that. I call it like I see it. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm right. We'll see how it goes on this one. But uh, I mean, you talk about Sean Kelly. He got, he was under three million dollars. Kelvin Herrera was nine million. Like none of the relievers were paid over thirteen. Zach Britton topped it out at thirteen, and Zach Britton's probably the one I would have wanted least out of that lot. Like you weren't going to get Ottavino. He was always going to the Yankees, but that still left like six more guys. Well, and and even you know when you when you're looking at guys like Familia and guys like Herrera, I mean they they are proven. They do have their track records, um, but. That that is a lot of money to spend on a reliever. You know, we we've talked about Darren O'Day making nine million dollars and he's making nine and a half, but he's not playing. Well, regardless, even if he was, that's still a lot of money to give to a guy who's going to account for one or two percent of of the innings that, that your bullpen is actually going to going to wind up putting over the course of a year. Yeah, it's, but it's more than that. That's, it, that's is it re- a lot of money when your payroll's at like a hundred and ten million dollars? And well, I don't even think the Braves are that high. I think they're at one hundred and three million. Well, the reason I bring it up is to say this. I brought up Tony Sip, okay? Oh, and you can do, do the same thing with Sergio Romo. And just like you said with Sean Kelly, there were guys out there that are really solid guys. That, that No, it's not going to be like like bringing in um, 2012 Craig Kimbrell. But Sergio Romo is a damn good pitcher. You know, Sean Kelly is a damn good pitcher. These guys could have come in and helped the debacle that was Luke Jackson and giving up a grand slam to Reese Hoskins on opening day. That place went Bonkers or Shane Carl giving up a three bomb, a three run absolute laser monster shot to Michael Franco, who, by the way, has like 14 ribbies already. 
I know, I know that that Phillies lineup. That means he got like seven ribbies in the Braves series. The Phillies finally it took them five games, but their defense showed up and their bullpen showed up too. David Robertson, who was one of those guys, who by the way, I would have definitely got because he's not making he's he's making less than twelve million a year. David Robertson, who has been one of the most consistent relievers in baseball the last five years. He also walked three in the ninth. He gave up a walk-off walk. Okay, did he give up a grand slam to Reese Hoskins? If A.J. Mitchell wasn't hurt, uh, Luke Jackson would not be on this roster. So there, there's nuance. There's a, there's a lot of different ways to to improve the way that, that things have gone. So th- it's unfortunate because now we can we can moan and complain about it all we want, but it's not going to do much because Sean Kelly does not play for us. Uh, Sergio Romo does not play for us. But there, there were opportunities i've said before i don't think anthopolis has made any bad moves but there are plenty of good moves that he did not make so um that's where you and i are going to diverge because like while while of course i still support the braves on stuff blah blah i don't i don't need to tell you guys that i i clearly do i do think that something like not making a move is sometimes a very bad move and like you keep you keep mentioning. I don't want to harp this on you, but but a ton of people keep bringing it up. And John Kincaid was the one that I <laughs> that I got into it with a little bit more about. Uh, oh well, when those two when two people come back, Carl and Jackson won't be on the roster. Okay, well one nobody knows when Darren O'Day's coming back. He can't even pick up a baseball without rehurting his forearm. So you talk about Minter coming back. All right, that's one. So now Luke Jackson goes away. My problem is that should not have been the case. Like. There were enough cheap arms on the market. You could have had Sean Kelly, Tony Sip, and Juris Familia and not paid $15 million for three relievers that would have been substantial upgrades in your pin. When you're talking about the, the relievers, the top five relievers from Atlanta a year ago, only two right now are on the big league roster, and one of them was a four-week mirage in Shane Carl. Do you know who those top five were, Doc? Tell me. A.J. Minter at 1.4. Uh, Shane Carl was at like 0.9, but that's also like he got like 0.5 or 0.6 of that in that one month stretch where he was untouchable. Dan Winkler and Brad Brock. Those were your top four. And there was there was a couple who were tied at fourth. Um, Oddly enough, Sam Freeman was not in the top five. Um, Shocker. He was. Fair. <laughs> I don't know why I want to take the the pot shot at Sam there, but the point being is there were multiple guys who signed for under ten million who were who were that cheap, and the Braves at, at their at their payroll the way they are now, everybody should have known that the bullpen was the number one weakness. If you and I knew it, Alex surely knew it. They led the majors in walks out of the bullpen. They're all incredibly young, and they all had dead arm in the second half. I love me some Jesse Biddle. I love me some Johnny Venters, but you know what I would love even more? If I had guys that were so good that it pushed those guys down. No, and, and I will I will definitely agree with you. This this bullpen is held together by duct tape. And and I, I certainly I I get the idea of of letting some of the young guys emerge, but but what if they don't? Like Jesse Biddle, okay? Like Jesse, the farther he gets away from the Tommy John that he had and all of, all of the arm issues and everything, like he's shown he's got dynamite stuff. He can go multiple innings. He can give you give you really, really impressive stuff. But if if it's not working for him, then where are you going to turn? You know, there, it's not – this is not right. exactly – You can't use Wes Parsons every single game. Right. This is this is not the 1990s Cincinnati Reds bullpen. You know what I mean? This is uh, – there, there's a lot of – um, there's a lot to be desired here, but 
you know, what this hopefully will do is next off season. And I don't even think that I was never one of those like, Oh, well just wait, they're going to spend plenty. I don't even think that they're going to wind up spending plenty on free agents next off season, but hopefully um, that the Sean Kelly's and the Sergio Romo's of the world um, will wind up in, in Atlanta after, after this season and hopefully fortify. And then there's, there's guys coming, there's Thomas Burroughs and there's Corbin Klaus and, and there's some rookies that are, um, that are certainly going to wind up making an impact this year. And Dan Winkler, as long as everything's okay with his forearm, then, uh, but that, that's just it. It's, it's all, it's all caveats from, from top to bottom. So, right. I wanted some definitely. guys that were, that had the experience because if there's one place that you really do want experience, it's in the bullpen because you know, you and I, neither of us really think that the save statistic or the true, true closer. Oh, he has to pitch the last inning. You and I don't believe that that's as important as some of the old school guys do, but I personally do believe it's more important than some of the new style people do who think that you can literally plug any reliever back there. There is something to be said for a reliever that has been there and been through that. It's just, It holds true for starters. I mean, we saw it in, in the first series with Philly. Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright were absolutely rattled, like right off the bat. And it's not, it's not anything bad against them. I mean, for God's sake, Kyle Wright had his first start on primetime baseball facing Bryce Harper and JT Romito. Like, that's to be expected. And Bryce Wilson, it's not like he's had a whole heck of a lot of starts. That was what, his fourth start? So second. Second his, yeah. his second actual start. Okay. I thought he had a couple others sneaked in there after that Pirates. But beyond that, like, it's not that shocking that they had that. The problem is, like, the problem is you don't have the bullpen to have starters go three and a third, four and a third. And that to me was the biggest takeaway so far. The brave season. If I'm really posting on a negative, first off, it's the bullpen, obviously. And Alex can kind of try to capitulate that as much as he wants. Anybody who's watched the Braves know that bullpen's terrible. Um, But aside from that, it's been the starters not going long. And I think they probably should have left Julio in there longer on, on opening day, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I thought Julio was pitching phenomenally. I thought he should have been given at least another inning. Sean Newcomb last night's kind of a case in point. That that was almost classic Sean Newcomb. He wasn't getting hit hard, but he walked a ton of people, and his pitch counts skyrocket because he can't put people away with two strikes because Sean doesn't always know where the ball's going. Like he just, you know, he throws in a general vicinity. And he he varies so much from batter to batter. It's just I've never I've never seen anybody quite like him. You know, most of the time it's a guy that that is just he's consistently missing arm side or he's he's consistently doing this or doing right. that. Everybody's most of the time got it's like Tuki. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and everybody's got their thing, but Newcomb, like he'll he will look like the John Lester comps got dropped on him a million times, and sometimes he'll go out and he'll look like John Lester. And other times he'll just look like a scrub who's 29 pitching in double A. Which you is know, why I've always said he's not John Lester. He's Scott Casimir, where the raw stuff is incredible. People forget how good Scott Casimir's raw stuff was when he first came up. It's almost it's almost exactly what Sean Newcomb is. And because Newcomb doesn't give up a lot of hits, there is a lot of room to, to keep him around. And it's it's been the thing that has dogged him ever since he he would, uh, got drafted out of Hartford, and and it came up through the Angels, and then when the Braves got him, it's like oh if he can if he can put it all together, he's he's frontline starter, and I do still believe that, but the 
the time is coming. Like he hears the footsteps. He knows Mike Soroka is coming for his job. He knows Tuki Toussaint would love to to make that ride from Gwinnett County. He knows Max Freed should already have his job. I mean, the, the, when you when I when I see Kyle Wright, I think Kyle Wright is. I give Wright a lot more of a pass than I than I wind up giving Newcomb or Wilson because. Right stuff. He looked like he was freezing, and like the first part of every single inning, like he came out and he struck out Andrew McCutcheon, and then you know you could you could see like the first ten pitches of every inning, like he was fine, but then he just he held it together really well. Second, third, fourth inning, he looked great. He got through those in like thirty pitches, and then it was that at bat against Arietta that took like eleven pitches for him to wind up getting through. We wound up walking him, so. Newcomb was doing doing his work in Atlanta when it where it was like it wasn't cold. I don't know exactly what it was, but he you know he's he's from the Northeast. He's more used to pitching in cold. Wilson, it was like a it was like seventy five degrees in Philadelphia. He just couldn't find his own. He didn't so. have anything. He had about half of a pitch working. His fastball, he couldn't locate it. His changeup was junk, or his changeup was about the only pitch that kind of worked. Like he was throwing a slider. He he did not throw a single curve. And that his curve, I always thought was his second, was his best off-speed pitch. He didn't throw a single one, so he just didn't have a feel. I think that was 100% nerves. He was kind of pushing the ball instead of throwing it. His velocity was down. I think that was more a case of nerves. That was not Bryce Wilson. Uh, but I don't want to go doom and gloom because we are going to end the segment here in just a second. But uh, some good takeaways happened, though, to start the Cubs series. The bats woke up. Ozzy's been taking – he's got as many walks right now as he's had since June last year, so – that's a great sign. Um, top of the lineup needs to do a heck of a lot better as far as your leadoff hitter and your number two hitter. But outside of that, Freddie's being Freddie. Um, the 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 lineup is is looking good when they make contact. B Max had some good moments, which has been awesome to see, particularly yesterday or Monday when he had the uh, the two the two RBI single and got the the standing O. That was pretty cool to see. Um, you know, Camargo finally finally gets a start tonight on Wednesday. Which, which might be my biggest bone of contention of of how the actual season has played out so far, is it should not have taken the fifth game for Johan Camargo to get a start. But we'll probably cover that a little bit later. As it goes, good thing the Braves got on the winning track. Hopefully, they continue that on tonight. But when we when we come back from break, we're going to talk about the minor league ball clubs and which of the rosters there are really catching our eye and how. One of us, I'll say, one of us thinks that you might see multiple championships for the Braves minor league organizations. Hold on through the break. We'll be right back on the Platinum Sombrero. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero podcast is brought to you by Celebrity Mugshot Ping Pong Paddles. If you're looking to dominate at some table tennis with some relative detainment, you need a Celebrity Mugshot Ping Pong Paddle. Bring your A-game with these shameful remnants of debauchery, including the certified Nick Nolte Paddle. Mashed backhands with an official Charlie Sheen. Run up the score on your buddies with our best-selling line of Flavor Flaves. And if you're playing in a tournament, you know you can use a separate Lindsay Lohan paddle for every single opponent. Celebrity Mugshot Ping Pong Paddles. Put some shame in your game. Patent pending. Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero. 
brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our buddies at MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is your number one place to go for any and all online sports betting. Whatever it is, whether it's boxing matches, MMA, baseball, basketball, whatever it is, MyBookie.ag has you covered. The number one customer service in all of the online sports books. If you have any questions regarding a line, they are 100% there for you. They're very, very quick, very easy to talk to. Uh, they, they always have the most updated lines, the most updated prop bets. Whatever it is, they've got it. If you can't find it on mybookie.ag and you're upset, you're a degenerate who doesn't need to be gambling because you're probably looking for some random weird prop bet like what inning does Ozzy's helmet fall off. You're probably not going to find that prop bet, although, you know, I, I, I never can tell. Maybe you will. Whatever. But mybookie.ag is definitely the number one place to go for anybody that likes to add a little bit more fun to their sports experience. And if you go to mybookie.ag and use our promo code BRAVES25, they're going to match your initial deposit up to 50%. So if you put in $100, they're going to throw in 50 bucks, and you get some free money to play with, which means you can earn more money, which means you can make more than you actually put in, which is always the name of the game. It's a lot easier than playing the lottery, folks. It's a lot easier than playing them scratch-offs. Go to mybookie.ag today, use our promo code BRAVES25, and join the fun. So before the break, we talked about we were going to – we're going to analyze these minor league rosters, and uh, one of us, hint, hint, it's me, thinks that the Braves might have multiple champions in in their minor league systems. So I'm just going to tell you, Doc can kind of go into, uh, we can go into the rosters in a, little, in a little bit, but the two that are really catching my eye, obviously Mississippi. I mean, when we dig into that roster, you're going to see why. And I wanted to say Florida at first, but the more I look at it, the more I really like that Rome team, they don't have anybody that like stands out as being incredible, but that team is built up of guys that should all play exceedingly well. There's not a lot of players with holes in their game on that Rome roster. So I could see it. I could see two champions. I could see another Sally league championship. That uh, the last time that Rome won the Sally league championship, that was a team with Soroka, Tukey, Riley, Acuna. I mean, it's like all of the guys that are, like right on the precipice now. So that, that was a really, really special season. That was like right after the rebuild started and all those 2015 draftees showed up and it's like, oh, wow, yeah, these guys are really good. But but the, the biggest difference with this Rome team versus that Rome team is that you're right. I mean, none of these guys, you don't have like the, the super massive ceilings of, of Acuna and, uh, and Soroka and all those guys, but you got some really, really solid guys. You know, Justin Dean, Trey Harris, Andrew Moritz, uh, a lot of a lot of 2018 draftees, solid yet unspectacular, really really solid guys. Not to mention my dude Victor Vodnik is on is on that roster, and uh, Nolan Darley. Kingham is another Darley. guy that I've got my eye on, and Jake Higginbotham. Don't be shocked if you see him jump up the rankings. I think they've got him as a starter right now. I do not think that he will remain a starter. He was a closer at Clemson, I believe, uh, but he was outstanding at Clemson, and he's a guy that I could see jump up the system. I'd love to see it. Love to see it. He's a, he's a local kid, and you know, playing playing in the ACC, uh, playing at a school like Clemson, that's um, it's it's not just gimme competition. So, um, and similar thing with with Kingham. You know, Kingham when he was playing in Texas. Uh, he, he's great. He's got the bloodlines. His brother Nick is a is a pitcher for the Pirates. He's in their system. So I think those two those two guys have a, a little bit more 
proven experience, I suppose, versus the competition. Then you got Trey Riley. That's the name. If you guys want to see a wipeout slider, just wait till you watch Trey Riley against this against the the low A competition. I still don't think Riley's a starter, but he's going to be a starter in Rome. And uh, what he's going to do to those poor young men is going to be borderline illegal. Yeah, he's he's advanced. Um, he very very much so. I mean, he's what twenty one, twenty two. Like he's he's going to show up and he's going to going to dominate. I think because you can you can get by. He's going to be playing against a bunch of guys that are just playing in uh, an actual affiliated ball, like above the GCL for the first time, um, or, or playing like uh, like the Abbey League or, or something. And just he is going to wind up being able to embarrass these guys if he. Um, if you can harness his stuff, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like he's kind of a wild card, super animated on the mound, really, really liked him. And I, I remember when, uh, by the time the second day of the draft was going on, cause he was a fifth round pick last year and they've got the, the Braves will call in and say, you know, we want to draft Trey Riley from, from this school. And, and before the call cut off, you could hear somebody in the background saying, good going guys. Like, so everybody is like super pumped that they even got this guy. He was ranked, I think he was 75th or 80th on Baseball America's final list going into the draft. I mean, he was a steal at the 142nd pick. So Not only that, he, already, like, he, I think he had the number one rated slider in the draft class, like, entirely. No, I think, I, I think, that's, uh, I think that's right. He, he's got really, really good wipeout stuff. It's just a question of can he harness it. And I, I don't think he's going to start for long. He's... Uh, I'm going to pull this list up here because I, I do not want to misquote this, but he is a ranked prospect whose seal, ultimate ceiling is probably a, uh, a reliever. Dude, if you want to talk about somebody who's got dominant closer type potential, it's Trey, Trey Riley. He's a big kid, nice and broad, throws like a, throws upper 90s. I think he can top 99 uh, and has that just absolute wipeout slider. If he can even add a changeup in there, he doesn't have to if he's going to be a reliever, but if he can add a changeup on top of that fastball in that slider, he'll be he'll be disgusting. He really will. And so so he could be a guy that, you know, some of these guys that that may eventually wind up being these high upside relievers like uh Inoa is who's uh who landed in Florida. He's he's a, another one to where you want to keep him for a starter for as long as you can just cuz you can never have so many starting pitchers. But um when the decision gets made to make that conversion, same thing like you were saying with Higginbotham. Don't move back. My problem is do not – it's my biggest pet peeve is to jumble these guys back and forth from roles. When you make the decision to move them to a reliever, stick with it. Don't don't I'll, don't move them back and forth. No, I'll, I'll agree with you. Um, they didn't get the memo on Max Reed because they're, they're still doing that to him. But um, – but yeah, you you do want to keep these guys for starters as long as you can. But once once they make that conversion, then you can really make a case that these guys are. You know, it's not like Riley or you know uh, is going to wind up being up this year. But um, they could move quick. We we could see one or both of those guys helping out in the bullpen next year. And then talking about that Florida team, like you just mentioned, they have three of my absolute favorite prospects in the system. Only one of them that's ranked super highly, but uh, William Contreras speaks for himself. I don't think he'll be in Florida long. He'll he'll find his way to Mississippi in short order. Uh, I would I honestly I think it'll be before the midseason. I think he'll be up in in uh, Mississippi. But my boy Izzy Wilson, who is he's probably my favorite prospect. That's not like a, a 
bona fide like a top 10 just because the, he's so tantalizing man as far as those tools and you see them when you see them all working you just get a glimpse of this guy and you're like holy crap there's no ceiling like it's just the the flashes of brilliance they need to come more consistently and it's hard to believe because izzy wilson has been in the system for like five years but he's just now turned 21 so like there's still so much there to mold with him that like I, I can't I, I can't quit I cannot quit Izzy. I really can't. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not quite as enthusiastic just because of because you're right. He he has been around forever and struggled to put it together. But yeah, the guy's an absolute tool shed. And you know, when he went he played out in the AFL, so he got some experience against elevated competition. Uh, it could it could be what he what he needs. And Different guys put it together at different times, you know, but but you can rely on your tools until you man, put all of them together. If it clicks for Izzy, man, you want to talk about the best outfield in the majors? Like the Braves will have four all star talent level outfielders. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But but he does have to put it together. So uh, he had toiled back and forth between uh, Danville and uh, and Rome for a little bit. And last year he wound up getting that promotion to Florida as a huge step. And and the fact that he did play in the AFL, I, I think that they, they still really do believe in him. But will be interesting to track him this year. And same thing with Grayson Janista, or Janista, rather. It's we Janista. Been, Don't buy into the mispronounced TV pronunciations. I mean, I've heard it pronounced six different ways, so a lot of people are saying it wrong. I, we're still probably all saying it wrong. But he, he was one, as opposed to, you know, we talked about Riley being the, being the fifth-round pick last year. Janista? Janista? Who knows? Grayson was <laughs> second second round pick and uh, kind of scuffled a little bit when he was at Wichita State last year. Uh, he kind of got that draftitis, you know, like he knew that that a lot of eyes were on him. He was projected as a first round pick uh, coming out of college, and he he really uh, part of why I'm optimistic about him is because he played in the Cape Cod League a couple years ago, and which is a wood bat league, and he actually had a he was the MVP of that league. So he's got the track record with a wood bat. He's got real deal power. And when we had Brian Bridges on, friend of the program, Brian, we miss you. Um, he just was raving about this kid, about about the power that he's got in there and, and how much of an athlete he is. He really, really moves swiftly for being a bigger guy. He's a big boy. And uh, he's got some thunder in his bat. So I think that the college experience, I think – uh, you had mentioned Contreras. You think could move up to Mississippi? I think the same thing for for Grayson. I think that he I could agree wind up too. As soon as Pache goes to AAA, I think yep. I think Janista's in AA. But speaking of absurd power, Jeffrey Ramos is also in Florida, and boy, I love me some Jeffrey Ramos. That kid can just hit. And now, now that we know that the National League is definitely going to be getting the DH, it's just a matter of when. Now I can be excited because that means Jeffrey Ramos is going to have a spot on the team because he's not much of an outfielder. But you want to talk about a kid that just looks like he was built to mash doubles. That's Jeffrey Ramos. Last report I got on Ramos is that he uh, his power increased when he grew a beard. So that's a very, very Samson-esque thing. It's, it's 100% true. I mean, you, you grow a man beard and all of a sudden you get man power. That's right. And and he, he played some in spring training, too. Uh, he he wound up coming over and helping out from on the uh, the minor league side. He played in a, in a couple of big league games and and he homered. I think he and Contreras went back to back on yep. consecutive pitches. And he had a couple other just screamer doubles as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you're right. He's he's not not much of an outfielder, but uh, 
that, but that's okay because you can you can wind up plugging him into that DH spot. He, I think, will wind up spending spending the whole year there because he he did did he do two years of Rome? I believe so. Yeah, he he's not necessarily going to be one of these one of these guys that's just going to sprint through the system. But that's okay because because he's still pretty young. And as it stands now, Ramos is ranked number twenty nine on the uh, on the Braves pipeline list. So uh, you, you are going to see a, a lot of these kind of back into the top 30 guys as as guys like Soroka and, and Tukey and Wright and everybody kind of filtering out these guys are going to ra- raise some. And it's important to remember that even with some of these guys being ranked in the back of the top 30, Braves still have one of the best farm systems. So you take somebody like Ramos, the fact that he's ranked 29, that's not really a ding on him as much as it is a compliment to the, to the Braves farm system because he'd be – 1820 in uh, most other farms. Then you look around some other, you know, you got AJ Graffinino who all the people that we've talked to still think that AJ Graffinino will be on a major league roster one day. If for nothing more than like uh, a Braves version of Nick Ahmed, somebody who's super slick with the glove. Uh, also drew Lugbauer, who I, I love me some Slugbauer, doesn't have a defined position, but can always go out there and hit you some tanks. The pitchers there are also very interesting. Tristan Beck is the guy that I've got. You talked about Anoa. Uh, Tarnock is one of your favorites. Tristan Beck yeah. is one of mine because Tristan Beck is a guy that you – there's not a whole lot of upside. Like he's never going to be a guy that just you know turns into Jacob deGrom. But he's a guy that – it's almost like Bryce Wilson where like the floor is just so high on Tristan Beck. And it's for different reasons. Bryce has that just strike-throwing mentality. Tristan is just an incredibly smart pitcher, man. He just he knows what he's doing and he knows how to pitch and he's very very poised and he's done it. He's a four-year guy. I mean, he's just he's just a pitcher and it's it's a good thing to see. It's whenever you've got a guy whose floor is a major league rotation piece, then that's a great sign. Yeah, and that's a I like like the kind of dichotomy you've got going there between Wilson and and Beck. Beck is finesse all day. And and I know I keep harping on you know, the conferences they played in in college, but, but he was at Stanford. So, you know, he's, he's playing against the Oregon States and, and Arizona States. And, and there's some, just some really, really quality competition he's going up against in 2015. When he was coming out of high school, he was the Braves uh, uh, choice at 28, but he wanted to wind up going to Stanford. So they, the Braves had to settle for Mike Soroka. So, right, right. Oh, darn. Yeah. It said like, we well, got them both. Yeah, this is our, our massive Canadian consolation prize. Um, like Beck is the real deal. And and the fact that, that he was still around, like that that's another one similar to, to Riley, where it's like, why is this guy still here in the fourth round? Like it it boggles. People the mind. just it, must have forgotten about him. That's the only thing I could think of. Tremendous talent. And may, maybe so. Maybe he's one of those like a TJ Friedel for the for the Reds a couple years ago, where after the draft he signed with the Reds and everybody's like that guy was eligible. I had no idea. Oh, wait a minute, what? Yeah, that was that was a weird situation. But I I really do like Beck. I I think that um, he he more so than a lot of these guys has a chance to really stick as a starter. Uh, Freddie Tarnock, I'm almost surprised a little bit for how much he struggled once they convert because he started as relief and was dominant as a reliever. Yeah, he's super green as a pitcher though. He is so wet behind the ears, so he's still learning how to sequence. He didn't start pitching until like. His junior year of high school, so he's pitched yeah. for a grand total of, of three full years. When he got drafted, 
like he wasn't anywhere on my draft spreadsheet. I had never even heard of him before. And this is in the third round. So th- this is after Kyle Wright and Drew Waters. So he's he's an elite company there. So this they're pushing him. That that's really really good. He could he could scuffle some just, but I don't know. I'm glad to see him there. I'm really glad to see him uh, getting that chance. Another interesting one before we move on to Mississippi. This guy named Daisville Hernandez. It's a guy um, that I've never heard of, by the way. So Doc's breaking some news to me. Well, this was uh, when Pipeline, you know, when they were releasing every team's top 30, they also released the just missed list. And I was particularly interested because like I was just talking about with Ramos, these guys would be ranked a lot higher in other systems. So the guy who's ranked 31 for the Braves is going to wind up being still a pretty legit guy. So um, Cuban signee, he's 22 years old, uh, 94 to 97 fastball, a slider that takes on some slurvy traits. And he he pitched very sparingly at Florida and Rome last year, but he's he's a guy, and and I I think that um, same with these other ones, they're they're gonna keep keep him in that rotation until he he proves that he's a long term relief piece. So uh, if you've never heard of him, then he's he's a very under the radar guy because I know you got your finger on the pulse with a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, I I'd never heard of him. I like what I see from there as far as any time that you can throw ninety four ninety seven. Then you've instantly you're instantly going to think that at the worst you can turn him into a bullpen piece. Now if he only, if he only has two pitches, he will be in the bullpen. But he's so far out that it's not one that I'm really really going to you know take a look at. The other one that we didn't mention in Rome that I forgot to mention right before we go to Mississippi, um, Darlington Florentino. Yeah, <laughs> I love me some Florentino, man. Kid seventeen. That guy made the Rome roster. Do you know how good you have to be to make that roster at seventeen? You know how highly the Braves have to think about him. He was born in 2001, dude. I was already out of high school by the time. I was 10 years old when he was born. That just felt super old. There are certain, I feel, incredibly old moments. Like, th- that was one. That was that was a really, really big one. But he's he's got some big-time power, I think. He, and, it, like, if he's showing it that early, because was he even – he didn't play in Danville at all. Like, they're skipping no, him right from the No, he was GCL. GCL straight to Rome. That's – that's remarkable. That's serious power, folks. That that's definitely going to be a guy that I, I'm really watching closely this year. Now, but on to the big dog. Mississippi has like the most stacked roster as far as pitchers go. But I'm going to start. I'm going to throw a curveball, and I'm going to start with the position guys. C.J. Alexander gets to skip a level. Uh, he he, and I'm going to call it skip a level. He spent very little time in Florida, but jumps to to Mississippi, just showing you. That the reports of how much the Braves love CJ Alexander are 100% true. They really feel like they got the biggest steal of the draft in the 20th round with CJ Alexander. And he's a guy that Doc and I have talked about, uh, Jason has talked about, and uh, Garav we had on. Garav is in love with him. Jason doesn't like him a ton. I like him in between those two. He's a guy that if he can, if, I just need to see him wind out his stance. If he widens out his stance, he'll start to add the power back instead of just having kind of line drivey stuff. Um, He's a guy that I think eventually would would move across the diamond to first. When you compare him to Austin Riley, C.J. Alexander has a good glove. He's got nice soft hands. He's got a big arm, but he doesn't have any range. I think that he would eventually move to first or DH. That would be C.J. Alexander. But it speaks huge volumes because the guy just rakes. And he absolutely he showed when he was in Rome that he was just far too good for Rome. So he got promoted to Florida. Hit really good there, too. Not quite as well as he did, but that's to be expected with just making a gigantic leap in at the end of the season. He's just a, a monster of a man. He's like 6'5", 220. Just a big old dude. 
Yeah, he's a big boy. And and sometimes the way that the organization moves these guys says a lot about how they feel about him. And and for as quickly, like I defy anybody to, to name a 20th round pick who started the, the next year in in double A. I mean, this is this is crazy, crazy stuff. And that's a nice going away present from Brian Bridges. Right. And and he the that draft, the way that that they went about that draft was so it seemed bizarre at the time, but I mean, we know better than to, you know, we trust Brian and for what he did for this organization. God, it can't, can't be overstated. And, and yet, good luck think, replacing that Dana Brown. And, and who knows? I mean, Dana Brown's got a good track record too, but um, as far as like being the architect of the rebuild, you, some people say it was, was Ren because he's, you know, he actually laid the groundwork for Acuna, Albies, and Camargo, and but then Copy got all the prospects. I mean, I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is Brian Bridges' work, <laughs> right? As really? Far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't know if we've missed on a draft pick yet. I mean, as aside from Colby, it. aside from Colby, and uh, that, I hate to say, but we've probably missed on your boy Lucas Herbert. They released him. The Second wound round is still pick. open, dude. Why would you do that? Why would you- <laughs> I know, but if we're going to point out that all the things that Brian does well, that one was not one of his best picks. I don't know if that was more of a thing to get Colby to sign or not, but whatever. Uh, but the big thing, obviously, with Mississippi, they've got some good position prospects. The shocking one, obviously, is Drew Waters gets to go right to Mississippi. Again, what you were talking about, where it's just you can tell when the Braves absolutely love somebody. And they absolutely love Drew Waters, who is very advanced and uh, has come a long way just this offseason as far as tightening his right-handed swing up. And now it's absolutely beautiful. You can tell he put on some good weight, some good muscle, and he was cranking out some doubles in spring training that made a lot of people very happy. I hear some people say that he had a better spring training than uh, than Christian Pache. That's just false. Christian Pache was literally the, the best hitter on the Braves in spring training. So uh, that was wrong. But to have them both in the same outfield, good luck trying to get something to fall. Seriously, and if you've got Ray Patrick Ditter playing out there with them, like the the saying that this is where uh, this outfield where balls go to die. I mean, that's legit here. I mean, we're talking seventy, sixty-five, and eighty-grade speed, depending on how how you want to wind up lining them up. I mean, it's unreal. And Waters' bat is so fast. My God, it is so fast, and he's one. Like they always would give the young guys a year in Rome, like no matter how good they were and waters and Contreras, they both bumped up to Florida and then waters, they bumped up again. He played like 30 games in Florida. So they must and he really wasn't all that impressive in Florida. No, I mean, he looked like he tired out, uh, but through the end of the season. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how all that goes when there was, there were apparently Braves coaches talking about like they are expecting not just there they could see it, but they are expecting an Acuna esque ascent from Drew Waters. Like, do you have any idea what you're saying? Right, that's now? insane. I'm not going to get behind that part of it. I think that offensively, Drew has the type of offensive profile that makes you salivate. But as far as defense, he's behind Acuna, which means he's well behind Pache. It's just. And that seems like I'm dogging a guy. You're just kind of you're just kind of nitpicking when it comes to those three. Which I mean, when you when you talk about a potential outfit of those three, it is incredible. We just mentioned Pache is going to start in Mississippi as well. Uh, I don't expect him to be there long. He'll be in Gwinnett before too long, especially if the gains he's made with the bat continue, which I would almost 100% guarantee that they will. The kid just works way too hard for it not to be the case. Just keeps getting bigger and stronger. Just keeps learning how to stay off of his front foot and start to actually drive the ball. 
the pitching staff is really is really what's going to win them a championship, though. I'm just going to name off these names. We almost don't need to do any digging on them because you all already know everything about them already. Ian Anderson, obviously, number one, the, the one guy that everybody points to as an ace for the Braves. Kyle Muller, who we saw dominate in spring training and who had a gigantic ascent last season. My boy, Joey Wentz, getting the, the, the good faith brought in, who also was spectacular in spring training. Friend of the program, Patrick Weigel. I can't. T- I, I honestly cannot convey to you guys how happy I am that Patrick gets to start in double A. He had to step down from where he was when he got hurt, but that has more to do with the fact that there's just that many people around, and they kind of want to build him back up and, and let him get that arm back. But Patty Wags being in that rotation, now he has a chance to win another championship. And then uh, finishing off with Tucker Davidson as a guy who who uh, we've talked about a fair bit on the show. As a guy who, when he got drafted, it was assumed eh, reliever. Uh, when he was first turned to a starter, eh, he's 92, 93. We'll see what he is. After working with driveline, that dude is throwing through the wall. Looks really, really good as well. That that rotation right there, that's five pitchers that would be starters on most other double-A rosters. That would be number one starters, I should say. And it's it's so funny, too, because you, you see like Anderson, Wentz, and Muller being back together at the same level because they, they were progressing at different speeds, and now – they are all to all together in that room rotation because even even Mueller, I don't think pitched with Anderson and Wentz in 2017. Nope. Uh, when when they were in Rome and and then somehow Mueller started in Rome last year and then wound up leapfrogging everybody. And but those the three top picks from 2016 are back together again and that they are just so formidable at the top of this rotation. And then you have Weigel who was a, a seventh round pick in 2015 and is like the guy was throwing a hundred with two different tears in his UCL. Like he could, he's going to be able to throw so, so fast and he's throwing without pain now. And that's, that's amazing. And could, I hope he stays as a starter for forever, but talked about Trey Riley being a candidate for being a closer. Patrick Weigel is going to knock people out because he's got starter arsenal with closer mindset. He puts in the bullpen when he was at Houston. Yeah, I just don't want to see a dude that monstrous be in the pen. I want to see him mowing fools down in the rotation. Oh, me, me too. But I, but, but he can't fall you know, back to it. He does have experience with it, and he was he was good enough for it for the Braves to draft him in the sixth round. And then Tucker Davidson, who was 19th round pick, we talk, we were just expounding on C.J. Alexander and, and late round steals. I mean, Tucker Davidson has done really, really well for himself. So him as a five, that's criminal. That's that's crazy. And then you got Jeremy Walker, who's on the on the tail end of that. And his you know, he's not a, a super elite guy by any means, but he is a absolutely serviceable starter and he could see some major league time. So many prospects that wind up pitching in double A, you know, they, that's where they flame out. But I mean, Walker could do it. He, he pitched in Florida most of last year and made a spot start in Gwinnett and shut them down. He jumped two levels and wound up just being, being fantastic. I mean, this, this rotation is, I think we can both agree that we're expecting Mississippi to win a championship. I, I think so. I think uh, as as long as this core stays intact, you know, if if Pache winds up going up to Gwinnett or or anything, then or uh, Weigel, I could actually see moving quickly because he was at Gwinnett before he wound up having Tommy John. So. I think Weigel yeah. would be a pretty big proponent to be in the bullpen at some point if he moves up and he shows that he's ready. I think he's a guy that you'd see in the major league bullpen. Um, yeah. But as far as that goes, Gwinnett is the team that that you're 
Gwinnett honestly kind of looks like the worst of the minor league teams. And that's a, that's including a roster, a starting rotation that has Soroka in it, Soroka and Gohara. I wonder what Gohara is going to do. I don't think they've announced whether he's ready to start or not yet. But uh, I know Mike Soroka, he'll probably get a rehab or start or two. Uh, outside of that, they fully expect him to be back on the big league roster. So what I would expect then is when Soroka comes back to the big league club, one of Wilson, uh, one of Wilson, Newcomb, or I would say, I don't think that it's in Kyle Wright down, but if Wright's not performing, then Soroka would take the spot of one of those guys. In my estimation, it would most likely be Bryce Wilson, unfortunately. That would be my my first guess. But Soroka's just so good that, like, you you want to say that it sucks because Bryce is good enough to be in the major leagues right now, but Soroka is just that guy. So as soon as Soroka is ready to go, I want him back up here. The lineup and take it or leave it. The bullpen though in Gwinnett should be really good for AAA. You'll see those guys riding the bus. Guys like uh, Thomas Burrows, Corbin Klaus, Jacob Webb, Dan Winkler. All those guys will be riding up and down pretty quick. The name to watch is Grant Dayton. That's the one that everybody kind of kind of had their eyes on when he came over as a guy who had really projectable stuff. One of those classic copy type moves guys uh, with Tommy John surgery, but Dayton's a guy. I'm a little shocked that he didn't get some play for the opening day roster to start off. Are you a little bit, you know, when he was healthy, his last healthy year was 2016. So a lot of people that have been talking smack about Josh Donaldson can't stay healthy. They're going to hate Grant Dayton for the exact same reason. But when Dayton was on for the Dodgers, he was amazing. Maniac. Maybe like a so, 239 ERA in 2016 with the peripherals to back it up. I mean, he had like a sub three fifth and he, he was striking guys out left and right and wasn't walking a lot of guys either. So um, that we need more of that in the in the bullpen, please. Yeah. So I, I think that, that he absolutely um, he's going to going to make his presence felt. Uh, hopefully he's healthy now. God knows it's been long enough since he's thrown a competitive pitch. But uh, by by all accounts, he was everything was OK with him. In, in spring training, so I, I think that we're going to wind up seeing him soon. I've, I've had Thomas Burroughs as, as one of my guys who um, is guys to watch this year, uh, along with uh, with Patrick Weigel. Yeah, Burroughs is another guy with an absolute wipeout slider and a guy with closer experience at Alabama. That's right. Once once again, I'm going to bring this back home. Played in the SEC, so he, you know he's playing against good competition. So um gahara you know he's listed on the the seven day il right now it's the first time i've ever not called it the disabled list so who knows what's what's going on with him you never you never want to assume the worst but i mean this kind of it just keeps happening with him there's always always kind of something this that's uh that is keeping him from being able to to make that impact so wishing the best for him it's gonna Um, happen i believe in you brigadero no, <laughs> once again, calling him Brigadier as opposed to calling him the uh, what it actually is, a Brazilian cupcake is uh, nobody wants Brazilian cupcake as their nickname. But it's and if he if he winds up spending a little bit of time on the IL for a little bit and comes back and he's he's good to go in May, June, whatever, uh, we're absolutely pulling for him. So you and I um, talked about it. I wouldn't mind him spending a full year in Gwinnett just to reset. It wouldn't be the worst thing for him, honestly. He he got he got so rushed. He was so hyped and and he, he fulfilled he, it. By the way, when he came up, like that's the part that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. It's like it's not like he just came up and didn't perform. He was absolutely dominant, aside from like four innings of work. And he was the guy that going into last year, Freddie Freeman was saying to Anthopoulos, like, I think that this Gohara kid could be an all star for us. Like this year, he he was referring to twenty eighteen. So. You you saw how 
how hyped he was and how much everybody recognized it. So, but sometimes that's the way that goes for prospects. I said it, said it earlier about Izzy Wilson. You know, sometimes it takes guys different. They put it together. He's still only 22, by the way, he's still only 22. So it's not like, it's not like he's 28 years old. (laughs) Right. This is not his last chance. So, and then beside that, you got Tukey and Soroka. We're going to see them a lot in, uh, in Atlanta this year. And Mike Fulton, um, by the time this podcast gets released, he will have made his rehab start in Gwinnett. So his first he will, one, he'll have two. Well, okay, so he will make his first out of two rehab starts for Gwinnett. So always, it's going to be great to get Fulty back. Just even seeing the interview that he did in the middle of the game the other night, it was so great to see him being in good spirits. And he's starting to grow his his mane back out. He's got some flow. I mean, you kind of have to. You look at all the stud pitchers. About the only one who cut their mane off was Degrom. And I mean, so that it seemed that to work important. for Degrom, by the way. Yeah, he shaved his mustache off too. He doesn't look like like he's from South Florida anymore. No, now he now he looks like he's a little bit younger, uh, as opposed to he's almost thirty. But you know, whatever. It's uh, it's good to see. Can't wait to get Fulty back on the squad. Can't wait to see what Atlanta does now that they have the Marlins coming up. So you kind of get uh, the Marlins have been scrappier than I thought, but it's so early in the season that they haven't figured out how badly they suck yet. That will sink in soon, and I think the Braves will play a big part in that. If you're looking for for a series for the Braves to get some of those wins back, it's going to be that Marlins series to do it. Hopefully they go out there and win tonight, and hopefully, this is my big thing, as long as Max Freed doesn't somehow get used tonight, we all get to watch Max Freed, and you get to be there tomorrow to watch Freed throw, throw live, where I'm fully expecting him to completely shut down this club, this Cubs lineup and just to stick it to everybody in the Braves front office who keeps wanting to make him a reliever. Max is going to show why he's my why he is my current favorite as far as value on the major league roster for the young guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go see him in person and I, and I'm glad that even for, for getting used, um, unfortunately he really was the most logical choice to go to in the, in the bullpen. The last day, the last he game, it. he was not the most logical choice on opening day. While true, I would rather see Max Fried in relief forever than see Luke Jackson in, in relief. Ever again. I mean, so, sign Jerry's familiar. You never would have had to, but that's yeah, a whole. We didn't, we didn't sign Jerry's familiar. We, we didn't sign him. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other argument that I'm going to continue to have pretty much all season because that's just going to be one that bugs me. It's probably, I'm going to probably irritate Doc doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because guess what, guys? <laughs> I'm re- because I'm I control the it. recording. I've, I've got I've got my retorts all lined up. I got a whole list of jur- Juris Familia related retorts. What if I Why? switch it to Sean Kelly? It's not a not a uh, not a sentence I ever thought I'd say before. No, no, I've got a separate list for Sean Kelly and Sergio Romo too. Then I'll just have to pluck one of the other nine names. But whatever. All that said, <laughs> we do we do got to go. We got to close up this episode here. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. By the way, now you can not only find us on all the other spots we used to be. Now you can find us on the new Himalaya app. Which, if you've heard me on the Locked On Braves podcast. The Himalaya app is is kind of a a newer app. It's all podcasts, and it's phenomenal. It's actually my favorite app that I've used for podcasts. Uh, You can find everything that's on there. So if you have an iPhone or if you you have an Android and you don't like using, like, CastBox or if you don't really like using iTunes, go use Himalaya. Also, a little hint, hint, no obligation, but, you know, you can tip people on Himalaya. You can uh, if you if you ever if you really like the show or whatever you want to throw a couple bucks our <laughs> way you know whatever you can you can DM us let us know that you did it we'll we'll for sure give you a shout out on the show but uh, you know whatever just just saying <laughs> just throwing that into the ether there but as it is please uh please make sure you guys are are, are 
talking to us and, and keep the comments coming. We really do love those. If Doc can ever be, uh, we I, I'm going to go ahead and announce this. We're going to have a, a phone line set up for the Platinum Sombrero here in the next oh, week yeah, or two. Still haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> Part of our show, one half of our show is not uh, pulling his weight on that. But we're gonna we're gonna have a phone line so you guys can drop comments on the phone line as well, and we can get to your guys's questions. Should be really really fun. Can't wait for that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, Doc. Thanks for sitting here with me and uh, and doing another hour with me. Always a blast, Dylan. Thanks for coming on my show. Before we get out of here, can I uh, <laughs> can I just drop one fun little piece of knowledge? I know you're gonna love. Go for it. Dansby Swanson homers on fly ball to right center field. Just happened off John Lester. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that. as I've said before, I would rather be wrong. I'd rather be pleasantly wrong than be happily right, honestly. So, Hey, uh, dude, Dansby <laughs> is now leading the team in home runs. So I, <laughs> I bet you didn't. It's, it's obvious it's a great start for Dansby. It's good to see that the changes to his, uh, to his batting stance have worked really well, opening up the stance and lowering the hands kind of adopting the Andrew McCutcheon approach. Good to see that he's still hitting the ball extremely hard. Uh, I do want to see him carry it on past the month of April because we know he always starts hot in April. So once he gets into May, if he's still doing this, well, I'll be, I'll be, I might have to pay him a couple compliments. So <laughs> one more time. Thank you guys so much for joining in. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next week right here on the platinum sombrero. Get that expired.